Today's episode of The Little Pod That Could is brought to you by The Grass Shack. The Grass Shack is a full-service cannabis dispensary in the Portland area with friendly staff and the spirit of aloha. They are also the Portland area's CBD leader. Stop in and say aloha and check them out on thegrassshackpdx.com. We're also brought to you by Clarity Media. Clarity Media, a full-service photography company. Whether you need to get your senior photos done or capture that once-in-a-lifetime event, Clarity can meet your needs. Check them out on Instagram at Clarity with a K underscore media on Instagram and send a DM for more info. Finally, we are brought to you by Rescued Heroes. At Rescued Heroes, we try to expand the pool of people willing to adopt shelter dogs. Check us out on Instagram at Rescued with a D Heroes. What up, podcast listeners? It is the first episode of the Game of Thrones recap season one. My friend Nick and I just got done talking about it. You're about to hear it. We just talked to afterwards. We think we'll do a little bit more chronological. This one jumps around a little bit. So we should follow the episodes a little more closely for season two. So if we get a little off track and talk about some things and get you confused, sorry. But uh, this should help you if you are just watching or you've already watched and you're just trying to get a reminder and get caught back up. This should hopefully fill in some of the gaps, make you think about some things you hadn't thought of, hopefully make you laugh um, and entertain you in some way, form or fashion. This also remember we should have something coming next week and definitely season two will be um, two Saturdays from now. So anyway, thank you for listening as always. If you wouldn't mind, it would mean a lot to me if you would subscribe and leave a review um, on the platform that you're listening to this podcast. Anyway, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Here is season one. Welcome to uh, the little pod that could, the Game of Thrones edition, the very first one. Winter is coming. We're in Westeros on location. Uh, my friend Nick and I are here. We're back uh, after the Bird Box podcast. We're talking about Game of Thrones season one. Nick, thanks for being here. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. KTZ. Uh, sorry, what were you saying? I said thanks for having me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so sort of the audience i think that we kind of talked about hoping to meet and reach are the people who have never seen the show and want to get caught up before the new season starts and people that just want to rewatch it before the season starts and want to get excited about the new season right yeah so yep. some ground rules we decided that we will not do any spoilers past the current season right Correct. so season one if you haven't seen season one you're about to get tons of spoilers, but we yes. will not spoil anything in season two on until we get to season two in two weeks. Correct. Correct. Yep. So you can listen. If you have only seen season one, you can listen worry free. We're not going to tell you Dumbledore dies, right? No. Okay. No, no Dumbledore dies here. Did I tell you I saw that shirt before I read the books and I had never seen Harry Potter? And I was Stop. super pissed when it came. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. This would have been so much more meaningful had I not seen some idiot wearing a shirt and said, Dumbledore dies on page 563. I was like, mother. So, anyway. It's just a side note. We probably should get into the pod, though. We got to get through 10 episodes that are super long. Um, and we decided to, we just actually talked about, we're going to just pull out major plot points, themes. We're not going to go like a book report episode by episode, correct? Correct, yeah. We'd be here for like five hours if we're going to do that. Yeah. You don't want to do a five-hour pod? I mean, I love you guys, but no. Oh, not okay. Today. All right. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. And the other thing, too, I wanted to say is, like, if you have other people, friends that you want to listen because you want them to be involved, do that. Because I'm tired of, like, when the season start, you get on Facebook, 
people are posting their anti Game of Thrones memes. Like, everybody talk about Game of Thrones, and I'm over here like, just get on board. Twelve and a half million people watched the opening episode last season. It's obviously good. People like it. So stop being. Don't be a hater. Exactly. Just watch it. We'll help you. We'll guide you through. We'll help you figure out what the heck's going on. You could be a closet watcher and not not admit to it. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get started. Sorry, that now we're now we're off. We are really going now. Okay. So what's the first thing you want to talk about? Um, well the first thing I want to talk about is the Twitter that we have. So oh yeah, okay. Feel free to respond to the Twitter um as we're going through this uh kind of synopsis of Game of Thrones through the seasons leading up to the new one. Um if you guys have any comments, like I said, reach out to the Twitter. Um what was the app for that again? Uh, the little pod that could. Okay, so the Twitter. Anything well, else yeah, you want to talk about first? Um, no, I think we can probably just get into the actual. Okay. Meat of why we're here. So one thing that I, the my first impression was so the opening the whole thing opens with the White Walkers. Correct. Yeah. And they're a theme throughout the whole season. Now I will tell you when I watched this the very first time through i got into it was later on in the series when i even realized what the white walkers that they existed and i have no idea why because the first the opening sequence is with the white walkers yeah i literally don't know how i missed that but anyway well i think that just the way the the plot goes for the seasons they it not to try to give any spoilers but there are kind of bigger things going on even though the white walkers are important yeah, There's a lot of other di- dynamic that's being explained, and I think so, that yeah. happens. Like I think that feeling. Everybody I talked to when I first was watching Game of Thrones, because I remember I was watching the first season. I was like, "What is going? Like, who are? Who is this person?" And I had no idea who anybody was, what was going on, and then I'd be like, "Wait, is this? You know, like we're, we'll talk about like Jamie Lannister and Cersei Lannister." I'm like, they, "Wait, are they having sex? Like, aren't they brother and sister?" Like I was so confused. Right. Yeah, I was like, "Wait a minute, what is happening?" And I think that's. A normal feeling, and I think that may have turned people off to Game of Thrones early on because they're like, it's just too, there's too much. I'm confused. Yeah, there are a lot of, especially um, from what I found in the first season, there's a lot of like graphic stuff that happens, um, sex wise. There's a term that Game of Thrones kind of coined called sex position, where there's a lot of pivotal moments in the season where like a character is explaining something and they'll, they'll be like a prostitute who's naked in the background or. Um, there's a lot of just like lewd imagery while stuff is being explained. Um, yeah. So, and I think that kind of goes with just the graphicness of the um, series in general. Yeah. Um, kind of just paints a, a good image of what to expect throughout the rest of the the series, which is cool in my opinion. For and sure. it's on HBO, so obviously there's going to be some there's going to be some X not X rated, but definitely not PG thirteen stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I remember like my friend Justin, him and his friends when they were they were like watching every Sunday when it comes on, and then they had like maps and like they were on the internet trying to figure out who's related to who. And I think if you read the books, it's probably a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I think yeah. one thing is like if you get confused early on, it's okay. Like that's a normal response. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, that's the whole point of the first season is to just introduce characters, kind of talk about the family dynamics between the different families right um, so yeah it, it's easy to get confused um and you're gonna get confused like there's just so much going on that they're trying to explain in this first season sure and basically that first you know the i felt like the important part of that first episode was basically we introduce who the king is and who all these other characters are but the main issue is that the king wants ned stark to become the hand yeah. Which is uh, probably where the term right-hand man came from, I'm assuming. Yeah, the right, the hand, yeah, the hand of the king, right-hand of the king, yeah. Did you do any research on that? that, um, said that I, I have, I've never heard that, but, I mean... It makes sense, it though, makes right? Sense. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Okay, so basically, like, his number two and his vice president, whatever, he wants Ned to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so a big reason why um, Ned is even... I guess interested in doing it because his good friend and mentor, the former hand of the king, John Aaron's, is murdered, and he's interested to find out why he was murdered. 
Now, so but do I, they know he's murdered this early on, or is it just suspected? I can't remember. No, it well, it's it's suspected, and okay. no, they, they they go into it this season. Yeah, right. No, I know um, in the season, but I'm saying in this in the first episode, are they sure? Well, that that they, I mean, he dies. Essentially, he dies. Yeah. And uh, Ned suspects foul play, and that's what prompts him to go and look. And yeah. part of like his character too, he comes off as a very like honorable. Um, respecting character, so right. he kind of wanted to defend John Aaron's honor and go and find out what happened, essentially. Yeah, this is kind of like prehistoric house of, or not, not prehistoric, but like, uh, what's that? Middle Age. Yeah, mid the Middle Ages version of House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Like in this, in this sea of like snakes and terrible people, you have Ned Stark, who's like an honorable man. Yeah. He is. He's not a the, politician. The rare light in the Westeros darkness. Which is which is why Rob wants or uh, yeah Robert Baratheon wants him to be hand of the king because he knows he can trust him. Exactly. Yeah. So he rides over a month from the south to the north to tell Ned that he wants to be the hand of the king. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, anything else before we talk about Bran getting pushed out of the window? Um. No, I think that's a kind of a good. Uh, generalized idea of what Ned's plans are for the rest of the season. And we also kind of see, you start to see too, like the Lannister family is rich and wealthy and the Starks are kind of like the working class. I mean, they're yeah. still royalty and, you know, they, they rule the North, yeah. but they're still like working class people. Exactly. I mean, it, like in today's terminology, like the Starks would be your, your blue collar, hardworking versus the Lannisters are kind of your white collar, rule from afar, order people to do things versus the Starks are kind of hands-on. They, they handle their issues in person. Um, they're yeah. And they'd rather, if there's a confrontation, they'd rather resolve it face to face rather than sneaking behind people's backs. And, you know, and that's the stuff the Lannisters, they're kind of sneaky. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a theme that you'll, you'll see throughout this season. At least there's a lot of sneaky things that the Lannisters do. Which speaking of at the end of episode one, Cersei and Jamie, who are twins, are getting it yes. on up in the tower, mm-hmm. and Bran climbs the tower and accidentally sees them, and yep. Jamie just pushes him out of the window, hoping to kill him and destroy the evidence, basically. <clears throat> yeah. So, and and that's that's kind of a a concept that you'll see definitely through the season is the Lannisters' way of fixing their problems is just killing people. So right. They yeah they don't. Whenever, like, if there's a conflict, somebody knows too much, or somebody's in their way, they they just eliminate them. They don't. I mean, there's not not very much negotiating. Right. Um, One other so. major character that we probably should mention that shows up. Well, there's a. I mean, there's a couple. J- Jon Snow shows up in the first episode. Yeah. And we find out that he's Ned Stark's bastard. So, when Ned was out fighting a war. He slept with somebody and had Jon Snow, mm-hmm. and now Jon Snow lives with them. But uh, Ned Stark's wife hates him. Yeah, Kate, Kate, Caitlin Stark doesn't like him. Hates him. Reminder of her husband's infidelity. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot of resentment, essentially. For sure. Also, Theon Greyjoy introduced. Who's he? I'm still kind of like, how did he end up there? I know he's from the Grey, whatever. What the Grey? Yeah, the Greyjoy. Right. Over, yeah. So he is the, the heir to the. Basically, a, there's a family that rules over the sea. He's the heir to their throne. Um, but how does he how, end up kind of like in the Stark they, family? They captured sort of? him. They captured him essentially. Oh, okay. And that's instead right. of instead of killing him, Ned Stark just basically fathered him. Which is weird. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, and I think it is an honor thing for him. Is why he didn't kill him. I'm not uh. sure. See, but um, then when that dude that, shows really up that was like that, that left the Night's Watch and was like, "Oh, I saw the White Walkers," didn't have any problem chopping that dude's head off. Yeah, but I guess that's like, honor too. Like he took an oath to never leave the leave his watch. Yeah. Exactly. And that was that was kind of a different. I don't think that the oh, I saw a White Walker was the reason why his head had to roll. You know. Yeah. I think it was more of you signed up to do this. You were told to do this, and you didn't. So now we are. Basically reinforcing that if you don't follow the laws here, then we're going to give you the hand of justice. Right. Um, also in that first shoot, I'm thinking also early on, 
We're introduced to direwolves. Did I say that right? Yeah, direwolves, yeah. Okay, and what, what are those? So, basically, the direwolves are... I mean, so, like, size-wise, they're, like, two or three times the size of a regular wolf. Uh, but, essentially, they are companions to all of the Stark children. They each have their own direwolf that basically protects over them. Um, and they have, basically, like, a companionship relationship with. Um, and you'll see throughout the, the rest of, of this season, you'll see the, the wolves a little bit. Um, sure. But they definitely play a pivotal, pivotal role sure. in the series as a whole. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the next thing I want to talk about is, do you think that Caitlyn Stark was justified in hating Jon Snow? Because she treats him, like, really bad. Even, like, so he decides yeah. he's going to join the Night Watch, and he's going to le- basically forsake his rights, his whatever, and... Heir to it, yeah. Yeah, and, like, move over there for a life of service, basically, to be a security guard watching the wall. Well, and I think that I don't agree with her hate towards him i understand the resentment um and that's another thing with her character you you have to kind of realize that she's like a very strong-willed opinionated woman who but it's not his fault well it well it doesn't matter i mean you know what i mean it i mean it, I, it's not I, his I fault think it matters it's not like he chose that to happen well i mean regardless we're not gonna change how she feels i'm just saying i don't think she's justified in feeling that way oh i said yeah i agree with you no i said i agree with you but i'm saying the way that her character is set up i don't think that she could even find it to go against her her opinion you know because she's such a stubborn strong strong willed and you'll see there's another um instance in this season where you'll see kind of her strong willedness me when the guy's trying to kill bran uh, I was talking about when she took Tyrion hostage because she oh yeah yeah okay we'll get yeah. to that we'll get to that yeah. um but yeah okay and then so then the other thing I want to see like the first time you see the wall I wasn't sure I'm still not is that well I don't is that man made they made it right it is man made yeah because it looks um, like the Grand Canyon it's huge it is huge and that's one thing that I've always kind of wondered was how the hell did they do that yeah um but. Apparently it's been, I mean, about, I don't know if it's, I think it's hundreds of years is how long it's been there. Maybe thousands. And basically um, it's the outer edge of civilization, right? Yeah, that separates Westeros from the Wildlings. Okay. And basically that's like they're, nothing can get past this. We're safe because of the wall, right? <clears throat> exactly. And mm-hmm. the White Walkers are a big dynamic and why the wall was built, but that's not something we'll talk about this season. That's another season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so we see uh, someone try to come in and murder Brand. You're not supposed to be here. No one's supposed to be here. It's a mercy. He's dead already. No. Yeah. We find out that the dagger used belonged to Tyrion Lannister. Mm-hmm. The short, the dwarf. Yep. And so right away they suspect that Tyrion plotted to kill uh, Brand, which would yeah. which doesn't make any sense. Doesn't have any reason to. Well, and that's kind of what I think. That's just how Caitlyn's mind kind of just justified right. how how Brand got thrown out of the window. She suspected that he saw something with the Lannisters that right. he wasn't supposed to have, and then. The dagger, obviously, was to kind of tie up the loose end, which was kind of what I was talking about previously, about how they just kill people that are in their way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's what causes her to then have this, um, I guess, grudge against Tyrion and obviously wanting to capture Tyrion right. later in the season. Um, but, yeah. Well, and the funny, the ironic thing about it is that Tyrion is, like, right in the beginning of episode two, is suspecting that they somehow have something to do with Bran falling out of that window. He makes a yeah, comment exactly. at the table, you know, about how... I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he makes a I comment about... Yeah, he alludes yeah, to Yeah, he alludes to the fact that something doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, so then the, that guy tries to kill... Uh, that's why I was saying, you know, Kit Stark seems... Are you sure it's not Catherine Stark? I'm sorry, what did you say? I think it's Catherine Stark, not Caitlin Stark. 
Um, it's Kaylin. I think it's Catherine. But anyway, I'm, I'm Lady Stark. Lady Stark is there watching Bran. That guy's like, oh, you weren't supposed to be here. That guy was a weird-looking little troll anyway. But he yeah. takes out the dagger, tries to stab him. Dire Wolf comes in, just does work. Yeah, they're... Yeah, and then just lays down like nothing, and bloody mouth. It's like, hmm, that's how we yeah. do it. They're not messing around. You learn that right away. No. Dire wolves are not messing around. Yeah, they're big. They will. They'll take out a grown man easily. Yeah, and then you know who we haven't mentioned yet is Daenerys and her brother. What's the brother's name? Uh, I think it's Viserys. Okay, yeah, I could never remember what his name is. They get introduced yeah, somewhere. I probably in that first episode. I don't even remember now. But they get introduced. They do, yeah. They and do, yeah. their dad was the last king before Robert Baratheon, right? Yeah, he was the Mad King. And they call him the Mad King because? Uh, well, because he was crazy. <laughs> well, how do no, we know so he was he, crazy? He, yeah, so he, he basically was a very, he was a mentally ill man who had a position of power, um, didn't trust anybody, and... Kind of was a very um, tyrannical leader. Yeah. And so essentially, they offed him, and that's when the uprising happened, and that's how uh, Robert Baratheon came into power of Westeros. Right, and his he was able to kind of, there his family was able to rule because they had dragons, right? That's sort of how they came to power. Yeah. So they they were the original rulers. Um, that the Targaryen line—that's Daenerys and uh, Viserys, their birth last name. Right. Um, they had been the rulers of Westeros for. I mean, the series just says they had ruled Westeros forever. Yeah. Um, Mostly through, on the strength of their dragons, too, right? Through that, and they also talk about um, like sibling marriages and marri- marrying within the family yeah. to keep their bloodline quote unquote pure. When when Ned Stark talks about that in a couple a couple episodes, I don't know, somewhere mid season, Cersei like defends that. She doesn't deny the fact that her and Jamie are having sex. She defends it by saying, Oh, the Targaryens inbred for years to protect bloodlines, blah blah blah. Um Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So anyway, so she's introduced, the brothers introduced the brother thinks he has the rightful claim to the throne. Correct. Oh, you're talking about the series. Yes. Yes. So he thinks that he is the exactly. So he thinks he is the rightful heir to the throne. He's a real He's dick. Using, he is a dickhead, but he uses Daenerys as kind of a political leverage to form an alliance between the the horse people that are led by Khal Drogo. Uh, basically, he's quote pimping out his sister to Khal Drogo for the army that he um, is in charge of. And what are Drogo's people called? Um, oh lord, I'm trying to blame. Dothrakis. The Dothrakis, yes. The, yeah, the Dothrakis. They're mighty horse warriors. Yep. They use sickles. They ride around. They don't believe in technology, basically. They no, just they, ride horses they and kill people. people. They're savages. Yeah. Jason Momoa plays uh, Cal Drogo, the king. Mm-hmm. Badass. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so you're right. He pimps out his sister basically to try and get this army of horse warriors. And then he's going to go over and fight the... The, the Lannisters. Yeah, the Lannisters West, and take Landing. back... Right. Mm-hmm. Reestablish himself as king. That's the idea. That is the idea. <laughs> so they take off. And at first, Daenerys is not super stoked about the uh, the arranged wedding, arranged marriage. No, yeah. she. So in, the, so in season one, her character is kind of a, like, feeble, um, very, like, meek, reserved. It's not towards the end of the season where you kind of see her kind of find her true self and, like, assume a position of power yeah that's all that's um, the last episode of the first season exactly yeah so it, yeah and i mean i don't i mean her character kind of makes sense in the beginning of the season it seems like she has been under her brother's watch for probably most of her life since they had to flee king's landing across the narrow sea to essos yeah um and the fact that she's had to deal with assassins to try to kill her and her brother 
probably plays a role in her um, just kind of feebleness, yeah. afraid of people, doesn't want conflict. Sure. Um, the other two, like the other thing early on, you get the impression that we haven't talked about yet is that Joffrey is kind of a dick, too. He is, yes. Not just, I would say that about the, or uh, whatever, one Targaryen, but Joffrey has this, like, sort of just entitled, I don't know, he just, yeah, he's just a jerk. I I would say he's more like a, almost like a sociopath. An entitled sociopath, though, like, things. Yeah, he, he doesn't have the, the... I guess mental range to kind of express empathy. He doesn't like, he can't see like, I guess other people's emotions. He just sees that like hurting people brings joy to him. True. So he is a sociopath. That's the definition. Yeah. Good job. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) And then, um, also his, you know, his mom seems evil too. Cersei, you know, early on you're like, wow. Yeah, the apple definitely doesn't fall far from the old <laughs> no. Lannister no. tree. And the Lannister tree is full of shitty apples. <laughs> yes, yes. Just spiteful, mean, entitled, jerky apples. There's there's a few good apples throughout the series, but they, they turn into good apples. Yeah, true. We won't say who, but... Yeah. All right, um, and then the end of... I do want to talk about the end of episode two. Cause it's, I thought it was like, oh man, that was awesome. Like the, it all, everything's going on. And then the end of season two is Brand opening his eyes. You're like, uh oh, yeah, he so, didn't die. And that, that's kind of the, the oh crap moment for the Lannisters too, where they're like, great, like what's he gonna say? Sure. Um, but yeah, so is there the, anything specific you wanted to mention on that? No, I just thought it was cool. Right? I thought it was awesome, like yeah, uh, that, exactly. storytelling, cinematography stuff. So then, this then the scene shifts to the kingdom in the south, and we get our first mm-hmm. taste of what the kingdom is like, and it is not a good taste. No, it's yeah. It I my impression of season one living in King's Landing, if you weren't somebody who had money, you had a hard life, very hard life. When even if you were someone who had money, like everyone there lies to each other. They're all like talking about each other behind their backs. They're all spying on each other, like. That is not yeah, I, that is, would not be a good place to live. Yeah, that's true as well. I, mean, I just think yeah. in general that was a terrible place. And yes, and definitely. Ned sticks out there like he totally does not fit into that. He's a soldier, so he if he has a conflict with you, he will tell you to your face. But everyone mm-hmm. else there, when they have a conflict with someone, they're super nice to their face and then do some evil crap to them behind their back. Yep, and that's obviously one thing that he doesn't like or appreciate is having to navigate the the political landscape there. Right, um, and we find out that the king is super in debt to the Lannisters. That's one of the first things we find out when they shift back there because they're going to have yeah. a tournament for Ned, and they talk about how much it's going to cost, and then all the council basically tells Ned for the first time, like, the king's super in debt to the Lannisters. So, essentially, Boy. the Lannisters are in charge, even though they're not, because they, they the king owes so much money. Yeah, and he was kind of surprised because he, like, I, this goes back to what I mentioned previously about John Aaron's. Um, he assumed that Bara- Robert Baratheon would have been listening to John Aaron's, and the council's kind of like, yeah, Aaron's was a good mentor. He was a great king of the hand, but or hand of the king, but the king didn't listen to him a lot of the time. Right. And so that, and they kind of talk about how that ended up leading them into debts so, so much with the Lannisters. Right. And, um, we meet a couple characters, Lord Baelish, and, uh, I, I don't know if he's Lord, but Varys, Varys, Varys? Yeah. The bald dude, yep. is he a Lord too? Oh, Lord, I don't... He said, "Oh I don't Lord." Think so I think he's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, I think he he's just kind of like um, like uh, an influence. I don't think he's a lord. Okay, well, because he is a he, eunuch, which means he doesn't. They took his, yeah, his manhood him. when he was younger. They well, he, did. He, they did to him what I did to Toby when I got him. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, okay. And so, and you meet those guys, and right away you're like, they just seem kind of slimy. Right. Very slimy. Yeah. Yep. Slippery. And then there's an interesting thing because there's this tri- this trip to the wall that Jon Snow and Tyrion take together, and I thought it was interesting because they're sort of both the outcasts of their family. They are, yeah. But they and they end up kind of connecting over that. And meanwhile, the rest of the families are starting. To, you can sort of feel this like Cold War brewing between them, but. Those two actually kind of hit it off, and I think at one point they, uh, I can't remember, but they have they have dialogue. And you kind of see they both sort of end up respecting each other. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mutual understanding of just they know they're both coming from the mud, essentially. Right. Exactly. And they they don't fit in in their family, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, that was interesting. So then Khaleesi gets pregnant. Who? I'm sorry, that's. Mm-hmm. Den- Daenerys. Daenerys. They yeah, call they her call Khaleesi means queen, I her think, Khaleesi. in Dothraki. Yeah. It does, yeah. So she gets pregnant. And then uh, also, when they get to the wall, they find out the Night Watch is like super undersupplied, undertrained, mm-hmm. underfunded. So they ask Tyrion to send help. Yeah. Uh, yep. Exactly. Tyrion tries to recruit more people for the. Basically, more resources in the broad spectrum or broad terminology for the Night's Watch. Yeah. Yeah, and then back to uh, back to the kingdom. What is the name? Is Westeros the main city? Oh, Westeros is where the Westeros is the continent that the Wall. Um, okay, so uh, the continent. What's King's the name Landing. of the city then? Where they're at? Uh, which? Huh. Are you are you talking about when they're at the wall? Or are you talking? No, about... no. When they're sorry, when they're in the city, like the kingdom, the kingdom. What's the name of that city? King's Landing. King's Landing. There you go. There you go. Yeah. See now, everyone that's yep. watches like, what an idiot! Hasn't watched it before, but still, <laughs> doesn't no, even shut I mean, up. All right. So like I said, there's a lot of stuff yeah. going on. Exactly. So uh, when they're in, when it shifts back to King's Landing, the the Stark daughters, Sansa's like still like sort of into Joffrey, and she's making that move and trying to get, you know married to him and Arya is sort of just wanting to become a warrior yeah so she, she gets she's, a, she's very tomboyish yeah and she so she ends up getting sword lessons mm-hmm. which is all that guy was awesome Sirio I think his name is yeah that yep, guy Sirio. that guy ends up being a badass a couple episodes later he does yeah takes out a bunch of guys with a wooden sword yeah he does a he bunch does. of soldiers that was dope <laughs> yeah but, I mean, he, he definitely is a master swordsman, though. Right. Okay. And then uh, another thing. So, you can see Tyrion is sort of being set up as far as... Because, you know, right off the bat, you don't like the Lannister, Lannisters. But him, you kind of like. Yes. Because he's not, like, within the family. And so, when he's out over on the wall, he actually designs plans for Bran to be able to ride a horse. Because the news comes out that, that even though he wakes up, he's paralyzed, not going to be able to use his legs anymore. Yes. And so Tyrion designs this contraption that will allow Bran to ride a horse, which shows two to, things. To get around. It sh- well, I guess it shows a couple. It shows, one, that he kind of has compassion. And he says that, I have compassion for bastards, something, and broken things. I can't remember what the, other, the quote was. Yeah. I have a tender spot in my heart for crippled bastards and broken things. But he, he basically says, like, I feel bad and I have compassion for people who are not, you know, perfect. Or he knows what it's like, yeah. Yeah. And then it also shows that he's really smart. Mm-hmm. You know, he designs this contraption that out of thin air that no one else had been able had done before, which actually works. You can see it a couple episodes later. Brand is riding a horse and talks about how yep. well that thing works. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What else? I'm sort of leading. Is there anything that I'm missing that you want to talk about? Um, I think we've, I mean, maybe, so you kind of mentioned the tournament, maybe talking about the, the two mountain brothers that live in King's Landing. Right. Hound and the, the mountain. Um, those are two characters that you're going to want to definitely pay attention to as the series goes on. Sure. So the hound, we meet him and right away you can tell something happened to his, his face got burned. Yeah. So in the tournament, 
Lord Baelish is telling Sansa the story of that because the mountain is trying to, I mean, he must be riding a Clydesdale, how big he is, but he's yeah, riding, it's, it's, he's yeah. participating in the tournament and ends up killing that guy who was supposed yeah, to be the, the winner. Mm-hmm. And that's like that uh, Robert Baratheon's brother's gay lover. Follow that six degrees of separation. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but so they tell the story, though, of the Hound in the Mountain. And basically, even though they're brothers, the Hound took one of the mountain's toys and the mountain just put his face in the fire and burned it. Yeah, so they, they definitely don't like each other. That's for sure. Yeah, there's definitely you can see it from the start. But the mountain is introduced as like holy, yikes. He's a yeah. He's a daunting. They don't call him the mountain for light like lightly. Yeah, in real life he's huge. He's, he's huge. massive. Yeah, he's a yeah bodybuilder. Yeah. There's a video on YouTube if you want to see in real life of him um, messing around with Conor McGregor. Yeah. And Conor McGregor is like normal human size, and you just see him. He's just this massive dude. <laughs> it's crazy. He's like a tree versus yeah. a twig. But like a huge stumpy tall tree. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. So then also, um, while that's going on, Ned Stark starts investigating John Aaron's death. Mm-hmm. And he starts trying to figure out why, what happened, what was he doing before he died, who was he talking to. And he basically finds out that John Aaron was looking for Robert Baratheon's real uh, Heir. heirs. Because we know, we well, we don't know, but I mean, they do kind of say it in the first somewhere in the first season, that those kids, Joffrey is not Robert Baratheon's kid. They, he's got blonde hair, for crying out loud. Well, that's, I mean, that's the reason why John Aarons was killed. Right, because he, he was sniffing he around out. too close. So we kind of start to find out that, you know, he was trying to get to the truth of who should actually be the rightful heir instead of Joffrey and who they, who, it's weird, though, because Robert Baratheon, when he, he dies, now no spoiler there happens, he dies on yeah. the hunt. When he, he's talking to Joffrey like he is his son, like, did he really he think that Joffrey know. was his? I don't think that, from my understanding, is he he doesn't know for sure. And I think a lot of it's because he spends a lot of time being drunk and just kind of seems like he's just going through his days as king versus being an actual leader. Yeah. At least that's the interpretation that they give of him in season one. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he suspects, I don't, I don't recall them ever really like investigating that or talking about that for him at least. Yeah. I think he's kind of, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's dead when Ned kind of realizes what John Aaron's realized. Yeah. Cause he changes because, the, like, uh, that Robert Baratheon's John- writing out his last will and he changes the wording so that it wouldn't be Joffrey though, cause put in place to be his rightful heir. Exactly. So yeah, but uh, then um, sort of the then the the next kind of big thing that happens is that uh, Catherine Stark uh, makes a citizen's arrest on Tyrion. Yes, that's like I wasn't a citizen's arrest, but you know what I mean. She takes him into custody. Yeah, exactly. for the murder, or well, for the attempted murder of her son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And what did you think about that? Um. Well, I mean that kind of goes a little bit back to what i was just mentioning previously about her character um i mean i personally i don't think that it what well i know it wasn't the correct thing to do because i know what happened but in the moment like with the knowledge you had in that at that point of the season um i don't i think that she just wanted justice for herself yeah and she already had a vendetta against Tyrion anyways from the, the point of discovering the dagger right so I think it was kind of her in her mind just justifying like okay yeah okay I got this person for what they did now I'm gonna right the wrong right um, obviously I don't think it was right um, Tyrion is my favorite Lannister he's everyone's favorite Lannister this is true there are some Sith people though who have like Tywin as their favorite Lannister I'd, yeah yeah just, so yeah. um also, too, before Robert goes out on a hunting accident and gets killed by a boar, he realizes that um, that the Targaryens are coming. He realizes yeah. that they pose a threat, and he's talking specifically about Daenerys and not the brother. Yes, because they end up killing the brother, right? 
Jason Momoa uh, are you does. talking about Viserys? Hmm? Yeah, so J- yeah, Jason Momoa does. He kills Viserys because... I love we call him Jason Momoa. Like, it's, he's real. Yeah, like... Drogo kills, <laughs> kills Viserys basically because he perceives Viserys as like a whiny little bitch, essentially. Yes. Um, and that that's kind of the... the sim- there's some symbolicism. And I think even that episode was named A Golden Crown. Yeah. And essentially it's goes back to the series trying to pimp out his sister so that he can lay throne to the Dothraki. He didn't realize that once um, Daenerys became Khaleesi that she was going to basically have as much power as Khal Drogo and that he wouldn't be worth a damn. Right. So he kind of pulls her aside and freaks out and Khal Drogo finds out and pours molten lead on his head and says, here's your crown. And basically he dies from that. Yeah. That was um, a crazy scene. Yeah, it is. And it it's is. like, it's, very... it's establishing that Drogo is just like, do not cross him. That and that and he, it kind of talks about how loyal he is to Khaleesi, even though it is an arranged wedding. He, I think, well, he definitely loves Khaleesi. Yes. It's not, it's not like a, Oh, I'm a King and I have seven wives and you're one of them. It's, he, he loves Khaleesi like his only wife. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. There's a, and there's another part in the season where you'll see that he definitely defends Khaleesi's honor again. Definitely. So then back to uh, Lady Star taking Tyrion hostage. They go to the Vale, which is mm-hmm. John Aaron's land, right? Him and his is, wife. Yeah were the rulers there and the wife is actually Lady Stark's sister, correct? Uh yes. I got that right? You do. Okay. So if you're doing the family tree of Game of Thrones, just you can fill those in. So she goes to the veil. Your first uh impression of the veil is there's like a ten year old kid breastfeeding. Robin, yeah. He I think he's actually six at that point. Okay. Well he looks that's what the series regardless he's too old to be breastfeeding. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, 72 months. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't you guys get that reference? Grown-ups. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and you'll you'll kind of see that the things in the veil are a little bit weird. Um, Caitlin Stark's wife is a little, or not wife, Caitlin Stark's sister is a little bit um, not right in the head at times. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Right. And she's super pissed that John Aaron was. She knows that he was murdered. She's pissed about it. Yes. And she kind of seems like just wants to stay out of everything now. They kind of live up, out of the way, and she feels like they could probably pretty much defend themselves if they need to, from where they're at. And she just wants to kind of. It seems like just stay out of it. Yeah. That is exactly. But then here she brings Tyrion, into the mix. Lady Stark does. And now it becomes, like, she's forced to have to deal with this. Exactly. And so they decide that they're going to have, like, they they put Tyrion in prison while they decide, yep. and then they're going to have a trial. Like, yeah. So yep. then Tyrion, being as smart as he is, says he wants to have trial by combat and decides to get to call for Jamie Lannister, which would be a, a smart play because Jamie apparently is, like, one of the best swordsmen ever. Yes. And so that would make sense. Trial by combat, go get the best guy. But they throw him a curveball and say, we're having the trial today. Mm-hmm. And so, so he, has he asks for a volunteer to be his champion. And what, what's that guy's name? I believe it's, is it Braun? Yeah, that sounds right. That's right. Who, do we know anything about him? What's his backstory? Not, not in this season. We okay. Don't. So he's there. He steps up because he wants to get paid, you know. Yeah, he he's just a, a mercenary at this point. Yeah, so Tyrion offers to pay if someone will defend him. So he steps up, says, I'll do it. And he ends up winning. Yes. So Tyrion's free. Mm-hmm. So he leaves. Much, they much leave to together. their dismay. Huh? <laughs> much to their dismay. Yes, uh, yeah, they're area. pissed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, and then uh, what? what, let's see. Oh, and then, so, Ned Stark, when Rob Baratheon goes out to hunt, Ned sort of is left in charge. He is, yeah. And when he's left in charge, he does some things that are probably not very smart. 
One, he calls for the mountain to be killed for his crimes. And that, yeah, that kind of goes back to the honor, Ned Stark's honor thing. Right. But basically the mountain, so in the, so I, how, which actually, I don't know if they explain in this season, so I'm a little bit hesitant, but yeah, the mountain has some backstory involved in the uprising when they overthrew the Mad King. Yeah, I don't think they talk about that. Okay, yeah, so, okay, all right. But that that's part of it. Then the other thing is that he calls for Tyrion to stand trial in front of the court. So he's like a like egging the Lannisters on. Yeah, he he's poking them essentially. He's poking the lion. And Cersei says something about the Game of Thrones: you win or you die, or whatever. And he, but he says he basically tells her that he's planning on coming after his their family. Yes. Which was like his is. fatal flaw. Yeah. Like, that was the one exactly. thing he should, because that's, and you find out later on, like, that's what you don't do. Like, whatever you're planning on doing, you never tell anyone in King's Landing, ever. That, and yeah, he didn't really have any allies in King's Landing either, so he Especially once Robert allies. Baratheon left. That was his one ally. Yeah. So once, once the king was dead and Joffrey actually took the throne, yeah, that was not good. Right. Um, also on back at the wall, we've got, uh, Ned Stark's brother, Benji's horse showing up unattended just by itself. And now the brother Benji is missing. Yeah. Uncle Benji. Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big part of Jon Snow becoming part of the Night's Watch. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He he plays a, a prominent role in the series as well. You'll see him appear at other times. Right. And then um, one of the ways that Robert Baratheon tries to kill Daenerys is he tries to poison her. And Varys gives that order. And I think I think he really did. He, uh, tell me what you think about this. He gives that order through Jorah, who we haven't talked about yet either. But Jorah is the son of the head of the Night's Watch. The Night's Watch, yeah. And he brought shame to his family because he sold slaves, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, so then he gets banished. And how does he end up with them? Because they're outside the city? I, I think so, yeah. Okay. I believe so. So anyway, I think the order came through because they say at one point that the reason, the way they found out that Daenerys was pregnant was through Jorah. So Correct, to me, yeah. it kind of insinuated that he was a spy for them. He, well, he was a spy, yeah. And he then... kind of turned, changed the lines. Yeah, and so then I felt like they probably sent that order to poison because then she's she's in the city, and this winemaker offers her wine and wants her yes. to give her a drink, and then he intercedes. But I think he set that up. He did. And then felt some kind of way about right. it and changed his mind. In his way, yeah. He was in his feelings. Yep. And yep. he changed his mind, and... But the thing that sucks is that winemaker got screwed. Oh yeah, he just sure. followed that orders. Guy <laughs> that guy took it out. The the orders that <laughs> that Jorah gave him. Like, wait yeah. wait, like he and he didn't even say. I'd be like, hey clown, you're the one that told me to do this to begin with. You yeah, drink he didn't it. Get a chance. Yeah he. But he likes he doesn't say anything and then he yeah he definitely takes an L. It's bad yeah. business. And that. And that kind of sparks the Hal Drogo's wanting to go to Westeros and kill the people who tried to kill Khaleesi. Right. That that lights a fire under the Dothraki to cross the sea. Right. And so then, uh, I think it's the end of episode seven I thought was good, too. I don't want to talk episode to episode. We've been kind of just jumping around, but sometimes yeah. there's things that happen. They're like, oh, man, that was dope. Like, right at the end, there's this confrontation between Cersei and Joffrey where Joffrey is taking the the uh, the throne and Ned comes in there with his army. And there's, like, this standoff. And, like, all of a sudden, there's kind of this chaos. And then Baelish, the, se- the episode ends with Baelish at a ni- has a knife to Ned's throat. And it's like, I told you you shouldn't have trusted me. It's like, dang. You're like, oh. Yeah, he, and that, part of that's because he, he kind of sees Ned Stark as an obstacle for him. Correct. Because he's been in love with Caitlyn Stark for Catherine. his entire life before mm-hmm. Ned and her were even married. Right. So in his mind, he kind of sees the elimination of Ned Stark. He can swoop in and marry Caitlyn Stark. And I think that motivates a lot of his 
kind of sneakiness and behind the shadows plays that he makes. Right. Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah. And then, so then once that happens, then it's like they try to capture all the Lannisters and that's where Sergio does his sick sword fight with wooden swords and, and dismantles yeah, people. Allows Arya to, to essentially get out. Right. Sansa's not so lucky, however. And then Sansa, they take a different approach. They actually, like, bring her in. That's how they they manipulate her. Yeah, so they, they kind of have the the wool over her eyes still at this point. 100%. She doesn't really see, she doesn't see how the Lannisters are yet because she just wants to be in that pompous lifestyle. Right. Very. She's very, in this season, she's very superficial. You can kind of get the feel for that. Right. Um, obviously as the series goes on, you, you see, you know, an evolution there in her character, but yeah, definitely in this season. Yeah. You kind of just shake your head at some of the things that she does and you're just like, what in the heck? Yeah. And <laughs> like, so then she does beg for her father's life and asks for mercy. Yes. Which they say they will give him. If he swears his, yeah. If he like admits he was a treasonous jerk. Basically, yeah, he had to admit that he was, excuse me, a treasonous jerk, and then swear his or his allegiance to Joffrey. Yeah, that's that's his way out of um, not being executed. Also, one thing I don't remember from the first watch through was naked Hodor. I was like, what the when he showed up? It's like I don't remember that. It's just a quick scene, but anyway, I didn't remember it. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was weird. Hodor. Yeah, it doesn't Hodor's fit. But anyway. Uh, yeah, exactly. One of the the other things that we also see kind of a couple times, but I remember it sort of later in the series is that you see Tywin initially, like at the end of season one, he sort of comes around, but there's just a disdain for Tyrion. Very, Because, yeah. you know, and we find out that Tyrion's mom died giving birth to him. During childbirth, yeah. And there's a lot of resentment. So his dad has been, yeah, res- has resented him since that point, and like... He makes him be as well. Yeah. So when they're out coming back from being on trial, they get found by this group of, I don't know what they are, like hill people basically. Yeah. They're kind of, I don't know if it ever really says they just, I think they're just kind of like maybe bounty hunters or, well, they're part of the veil. And that's the thing. Like that's part of how he gets them to follow him is he says, you can take, you can rule the veil after we get done. But he takes them to where the Lannister camp is in the middle of this battle between them and the Starks. He brings all of them in and, you know, says they're going to get paid and get weapons and all that. But then Tyrion's dad basically says, all right, cool, you're going to lead them in battle. And then he puts them on the front line. So, I mean, he's essentially trying to kill him. Oh, you know, he exactly. And that's, to me, the first time you see, oh, this is where the family gets it from, like... He literally like had no qualms trying to kill his son. Like no, it was not even an issue. Yeah, exactly. You kind of realize just the the personality of the Lannister family, and well, as a majority at least in season one is this very. I don't care about you. You're in my way. Right. If I have a vendetta with you, I'm just gonna kill you. That sort of thing. Yeah. And then, um, so that battle is going on, and the Starks need to cross a certain area. And the person that rules that area is uh, actually in Harry Potter. He's the, um, he's Filch, Finch? The... Yes, the, yeah. <laughs> the key. I can't think of, I, off the top of my head, I cannot remember the name of that place. Yeah, I can't remember it either. But they have like a cross, some kind of cross, a river crossing that... Yeah they need the access to be able to get to the Lannisters. Exactly. So Lady Stark goes there, discusses uh, all of this with this guy. And he has to, he asks for a bunch of concessions, including Rob has to marry one of his daughters and Arya has to marry one of his sons. And he's creepy though. Like right off the bat, he's super creepy. He's definitely a pedophile. Yes. Yes. And he's he's marrying, He's, like, messing with his own kids and stuff, too, right? Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's a real piece. Yeah. Work. And he's, yeah, he's gross, too. I mean, he's. He is. Yeah. yeah he's, he's gross. They shouldn't have hired him at uh, Hogwarts. It's very, he's it's, a weirdo. It's very cringy. 
pretty cringy when you go there and you see kind of like what's going on. Yeah. In that place. For sure. For sure. Yeah, the whole thing. But they have to make the con- concessions so that they can use the crossing. So they cross there, and then Rob Stark actually sends two thousand of his tr- of his twenty thousand troops to go fight where Tyrion and those guys are, knowing that they're gonna die because ultimately what they really want to do is capture Jaime Lannister. Yeah, they they just want to take away the, the the I guess the right hand of the Lannisters. Right. So they they said the two thousand are basically a distraction, and Rob feels conflicted about it later because he knows he sent them to die, but they end up capturing Jamie Lannister, which is what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Also, Drogo at the same time is getting sick because he got cut, and apparently back in medieval times they didn't have, you know, antiseptic and Neosporin. So he starts to get sick from the cut. Go figure, yeah. And (laughs) Khaleesi decides to bring a witch in. Not sure why. Yeah, I don't... I don't know... I can't remember the exact circumstance that brings the witch into the picture. I know that well, she was like a somebody, like a prisoner, or a slave in their little yeah, army. Exactly. Okay. That now it's coming back. To and me. then yeah, she 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 basically says, "Oh, I can fix him," but she's like, not really. You know, she doesn't say the whole truth. And even when no. she said, when they're like, "We shouldn't do this," and she was like, "It's blood magic," and she said, "You have to pay for one life with the other." Basically, yeah, yeah, but Khaleesi was blind to everything except she wanted her husband back. So she's like, yeah, I'll do whatever. But what happens is she loses her baby and Drogo's alive, but he's basically comatose. Yeah. So that's one thing. One thing I never understood Mm -hmm. was why. Why would you ever think that it'd be okay to trust a person like that to trust a witch? Yeah, I I mean, she. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me when I was watching it. Why she would? I mean, maybe. Well, okay, it's kind of like freedom if you. It's kind of like in the terrible. Uh, I think it's number two of Star Wars, the second one where Padme's he he knows she's gonna die, and so he asks um, uh, oh, not yeah. Emperor Palpatine, but whatever that guy, whoever Darth, whatever that guy's name is, to show him how to keep people alive. And yeah. the guy says, like, bad stuff happens when I show you how to do this, but if you want to know, I want to know. And he, he's just so blinded by his love and wanting to protect Padme that he does it. It's kind of the same that's thing true. here. That's that's a good connection. I like that. Yeah, where she's just blinded by it. Like, she can't think logically. She just wants him to be back. Mm-hmm. So she trusts the witch, which maybe that's the lesson here. Season one, the, the lesson is don't trust witches. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Don't trust witches. So the witch keeps him alive, makes him comatose, and so she decides this is no life. I lost the baby. He's comatose, so she kills him. She she stuffs his face with a pillow, puts him out of his misery, and then she mm-hmm. decides it's time for her to take her rightful place. So she burns his body, burns the witch. Along with the witch, yeah. She ties him to his funeral pyre. Yeah. And then she goes in with the eggs. Yeah. And comes out with three dragons. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of this. That's the end of season one. That is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good way to end season one, too. Yeah, that kind of, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, with, so like that, those last couple minutes of that episode 10, there's a lot of like, imagery and, like, foreshadowing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Just because you, you kind of see, like I had mentioned earlier about kind of Khaleesi embracing her, like, decisiveness and what she really wants. Basically, turning the witch up to the funeral pyre in the first place and then walking in with the dragons, and you see her step out, and she's butt naked. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it kind of just is basically alluding to what's coming. Because everybody bows, like, too. That's sort of the end. And the, But the crazy thing yeah. is, like, probably the most important thing in season one we didn't even talk about. They they kill Ned Stark. Yes. We, it, that would be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, we probably we probably should mention that part. Oh, yeah, by the way, the biggest point so, yeah. of, the whole, of season one is that Ned Stark gets killed. So, yeah, by the way, Ned Stark. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is one thing we sort of forgot to mention. He basically, he basically is betrayed by the council when he tries to tell them about the illegitimacy of 
Joffrey, basically like, hey, these are incest children. They have no claim to the throne. Um, he's betrayed, basically in prison for treason, whatever they call it. Right. And that's when we early, earlier we talked about how Sansa pleaded for his life, and they said that all he had to do was basically admit his fault and then pledge allegiance to Joffrey. Which he so does. He does. So they. Bring Which is crazy because I didn't, stage. you know, like that goes against everything that he stands for. And that was the thing, and that that's what really rubbed me was. First of all, you're watching this, and you're like, okay, like there's no way they're going to chalk us that off. Right. Partially because it's the first season of Game of Thrones, and you have no idea like what Game of Thrones is known for. Right. But anyways, going back to that, um, he's, standing, or he's, he's kind of there on his knees, or he's standing there, he's like, all right, you're right, I was in the wrong, I, I'm pleading my allegiance, whatever. And then Joffrey says, all right, kill him anyways. And that's when you're like, holy, like this guy is a sociopath. Yes. And then he follows that up by taking Sansa and making him look at her father's head on a stake. Yep, along with her handmaiden it. or whatever that lady's, whatever her title was. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. Now, the thing that I couldn't get over in that first season when he dies, it's I'm like, man, Sean Bean cannot catch a break. He gets killed early on in the first Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, yeah. You know, he doesn't make Lord it past the first movie. And yeah. now season one of Game of Thrones gets head chopped off. Yeah. I mean, when does Sean Bean get to make, when does he get a last till the end? I know, and it's weird. He just kind of has that, like, look and vibe, like, I belong in, like, a Middle Ages sword fight movie, you know? True. True. Um, But, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel for his character in this one. He, he got the shaft, like, Game of Thrones hit him really dirty right there. Real dirty, real dirty. <laughs> and one other thing that I did want to mention too is it's interesting. So Joffrey takes Sansa out, makes him take a look at, you know, her father and the and and she's starting to get the picture of like, oh, maybe this is not so good. Maybe I don't like yeah, him maybe. as much as I thought I did. And she actually it has this thought of she's gonna push him over the, push him off the, the edge and just end it all, which I was yeah. cheering for. I was hoping that happened. And I felt like yep. why the Hound stops her. Which he he kind of is like he protects her, you know. Like he he's does, yeah. he's like hey, like in the, in the long run, like he's protecting her. But like in my mind, I was like, well, it would be good for everybody if she had done that. Like they probably would have killed her, but I mean that's a well, net yeah, positive. Would've, yeah, they would have. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Even if, so, even if they were to have done that, anyways, I think that it would have just forced another maniacal chink in the wheel to happen and then yeah some other crazy person would have taken leadership over the over king's landing yeah and one other thing too that i wanted to mention about ned stark's death is a crazy thing is like right after that the you know the words getting out that he got killed and he gets back to their camp and you know lady stark and rob are dumb mess and then when she goes to talk to jamie lancer he's like mocking her yeah about it like he just died and he's like like mocking her, making fun of her about the death. I'm like, oh my, what a yeah, he, d bag. Yeah, Jamie Lannister in season one is definitely a very like pompous, ego driven. Um, it, yeah, it that was that I remember that scene. That one definitely hurt. You're just like, wow. Like talk about kicking somebody when they're at their lowest. And not just kicking, just kicking at them and laughing goal. at them while you kick them. Yes, exactly. I was like, what a dick. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That was yeah. bad, dude. That was real bad. It was. That hurt. All right, so season one, did we leave anything else out that you wanted to talk about? That was a lot. Um, I, yeah, no. Um, I think that we pretty much hit all of the big picture stuff. So, I mean, now we end season one. Um, obviously, we have Joffrey, who's now on the throne. Yes. We have Jon Snow. Um, at the with a nice watch, basically, kind of improving his position there, um, gaining the respect of the men and taking on more of a leadership role by like training them how to be soldiers. Right, and one thing that um, happened there too that we forgot to mention is that uh, Jorah's father gives Jon Snow Jorah's sword, which has a wolf on the yeah, end, the family. and yep. is made of Valyrian steel, and so it's like this. It does show. He's improving his position, and when he tries to leave, we left this out too. 
when he tries to leave to go help Rob in battle, his friends from the Night Watch pull him back because they know that even though he's doing what they probably all would want to do, they made a pledge to stay with the Night Watch, and that would be his death yep. seal. So it's pretty cool that they they pull him back in, like, and that for the first time, really, he does belong to a family. To something, yeah. yeah. There's a brotherhood that, yeah, is, is forming right now. Yeah, and he's not an outcast, even though he much. was there at, with the Starks. Like, even when they find the direwolves, they're like, well, you're not a Stark, you know? So yeah. he was always kind of the outcast of his family, so it was cool to see he finally had a place where he fit in. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the next one, that's happening. And then lastly, the kind of other big thing that's going on in the season two is Caitlin and Rob basically forming that army to take on the Lannisters. Um, and that's where we leave off season one. Did you have anything that you wanted to add into that? or? No, I don't think so. I love when Lady Stark, she's hugging Rob and he's crying. He's like, I want to kill him. She's like, we're going to get our daughters back. And then we're going to kill them all. I'm like, yeah. She, exactly. She is one lady that in, in reality I would not want to cross. Uh, oh, and, she would come for you. Well, okay, who would you, who would you, if you had to cross one of the two, you had to, who would you, cr- yeah. who would you rather cross? Lady or Stark Cersei? or Cersei? Ooh. I'm going Lady Stark. Cersei's scary. I would say Stark. Cersei's down. She's scary, bro. Stark, yeah, I think probably Lady Stark because if she was going to kill you, it'd be quick. And she's more honorable. Yeah, versus Cersei who will do anything to kill anybody. And you can see that literally clearly in season one. She's down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something else. Um, I did have something else I was going to say, but I forget what it was. But yeah, so season one, you're right. Joffrey's in charge. Jon Snow at the Night Watch. Oh, I know what it was. Rob Stark. They all decide. The northern people decide they're going to make him the he's king. The, if they yeah, win the war, over, he's going to be the king. Yeah. That so was, they chose him as king of the north over um, Robert Baratheon's other relative, Stannis, and his son, I believe, right? No, he had a younger brother, Renly. And then, uh, Renly, yes. Renly, I'm sorry. And then his older brother, Stannis. Stannis, yeah. I couldn't remember Renly's name. Yeah. Um, but yes. So they unanimously elect Rob as the King of the North right now. Yeah. Um, and then Khaleesi, that whole forming the dragons. We see that dragons now are back in Westeros. Yeah. A long time. Right. Okay, so now what's next is season two episode will be in two weeks. Two yep. Saturdays from now. I love you.